All right, welcome to the very first episode of the Home Music Studio One.com podcast. And my name is David Maxey, and today we are going to be talking about three things that you can do in effort to remove those buzzes and those hums coming from your tracks. All right. Well, hey, I want to thank you very much for joining with me and listening to this uh, podcast, or maybe you are listening to the audio file directly from HomeMusicStudio1.com. Either way, thanks for joining me today. Uh, We're going to talk about three things that you can do to help eliminate those annoying buzzes and those hums coming from your tracks specifically before you're recording them. And so before we get there, though, uh, being as this is our very, very first episode, let me just take a moment to uh, tell you a little bit about myself so that you can get to know me a little bit better. Uh, Of course, I am the creator of the brand new blog, HomeMusicStudio1.com. And uh, if you've not checked us out yet, you can do that um, after this podcast is over. Make sure you're you're listening to us now. Don't do it now. Uh, But at at any rate, uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. I am uh, a musician. And I have been a musician, actually learned to play guitar and keyboard about the age 14, 15, 16 in there is where I really started to spend a lot of time learning uh, music. And today I am 36 years old. I will let you do the math on how long I've uh, been a musician and doing this thing. I'm also a vocalist uh, and have have had the lead vocal in many different bands throughout the years and uh, leading teams of people throughout the years uh, of just musicians as well. And so uh, it's something that I love to do. But, you know, through Throughout the years, one of the things I've always done is that's tried to really figure out creative ways to capture the uh, the music that I was creating. I've done a lot of, a lot of songwriting, and uh, I've also helped a lot of people write, uh, you know, create their own demos. People that just wanted to, you know, record a song or two, and uh, and before you knew it, I found myself having kind of this this knack and this uh, just a love for recording. And uh, throughout the years, I've had the opportunity to, in the very beginning days, uh, I worked for a very small studio as an analog studio way back in the day and to manage that and uh, had the opportunity just to do a lot of recording and kind of figure out from some guys that really knew the industry how how to make this thing work and, and on and through the years had the the chance to work with really some awesome people and some great equipment some live recording setups and some that were more uh, more for the studio um, environment itself and so throughout the years one thing I've always found myself in the the situation I've always found myself in is not having the same amount of equipment in my home to record as what there was uh, or what I had access to in, say, the studio or the live recording environment. And so um, I had to get real creative with finding a way to do this, and that is to do more with less. See, I never had thousands of dollars, even though I may have worked with thousands of dollars in equipment in the studio. I never had thousands of dollars in equipment at my home for my own recording projects. 
And so, uh, hence HomeMusicStudio1.com, because you might be asking, all right, uh, what, what is this thing all about? Is, is Home Music Studio 1 for me? And uh, let me just say that my, my hope for you, if you're listening to this, uh, is, is to help you have these, uh, to give you tips and tricks and uh, how-tos and tutorials and even uh, maybe some equipment um, reviews, different things to help you find the ability with what you have or the budget that you have to achieve professional sounding audio. In other words, to achieve that professional sounding audio, but still do it within whatever your budget is. You know, I think it's kind of interesting if you Google right now, home music studio or just home recording, you'll find uh, some pictures if you look in the images under Google. And uh, I think it's, you know, I'm not knocking anyone, but it's kind of interesting to me when I when I look at pictures that are labeled as the home music studio, a lot of times you'll see a guy standing in front of a 128 channel soundboard and just a thousands and thousands of dollars worth equipment, uh, worth of equipment. And uh, that's just not me. That's just, I've never had that opportunity, more power to them. Uh, but you know, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're just interested in getting started at home recording and you don't have a huge budget, or maybe you've been doing it for a while, but you want to figure out how to take the equipment you probably already have and to just make it more effective, to make your projects more professional sounding. That's what I'm all about here to help you do that. And so uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into our question. That question is, how do you eliminate these buzzes and these hums that every now and again we get coming from our, our tracks, particularly when maybe you're, you're getting ready to record and record? Uh, if you're anything like me, I sat down to record this podcast and, um, I, I plugged my gear in, and uh, I'm actually recording this direct uh, to a program called Reaper on my laptop. I have also got an Allen & Heath Z14 uh, mixer, a nice little compact mixer, and that mixer has a USB output on it. And so um, I'm recording right now from my microphone, got it plugged into the board. And uh, the first thing I noticed, the, the moment I plugged it in, I put my headphones on and armed the track to begin to record was I had this wonderful buzz coming through the track. And, you know, when I would put my hand on the microphone, the buzz would disappear. And if I were to take my hand off, the buzz would be right back again. And I did that three or four times. Maybe you've been there very frustrating, can, can be a very frustrating thing to have, and you certainly don't want that on any of your recording projects. So what do you do? Uh, I want to give you just three simple things that I, have been very helpful to me that I think would also help you as well. And number one, here's what I did when I, when I first sat down and, and got, uh, ready to record. And that's, uh, made sure that I was using a balanced cable in order to hook my microphone into the board and also using the balanced inputs on my soundboard. Now, uh, the most popular form of balanced cable or low Z is another thing that maybe you've heard that referred to is an XLR microphone cable. And, uh, you know, there are other ways to plug in a microphone. Maybe throughout the years you've, you've, uh, you've had a microphone that had a cable that had a quarter inch end on it that was not balanced or high Z. Uh, I would highly encourage you as just kind of a rule of thumb, if you've got options to use balanced in and outs on your board with a balanced cable for what whatever gear you're recording, microphone, uh, maybe a guitar pedal, to just go ahead and use balanced inputs, outputs, and cables because uh, balance tends to be a higher quality signal. 
those signals tend to have less background noise, and they also tend to pick up less interference from other items, uh, bleed through from, say, lights, maybe dimmer switches or ballast from a fluorescent light or appliances, kitchen appliances that are maybe on, uh, you know, similar circuits or something like that. And so number one, make sure you're using balance cables. I was doing that and I still had a bus. Um, and you know, what, what did I do next? The next thing I checked was what kind of cable am I using? Is it a good quality cable? And uh, is that cable in, of you know, is it, is, it a, is it a good, decent cable or is it broken? Was there any repair that was in need of the ends? Maybe there was part of the cable on the end that was broken. So as I checked my cable, uh, I found very quickly that, hey, this was actually a brand new cable. Uh, only used it a few times, made, uh, it's kind of a middle grade ca- uh, cable made by a company called Livewire. And uh, it seemed to be working pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at the ends, pulled uh, one of the ends apart. There wasn't any uh, discoloration. There wasn't any broken wires on the inside. And I knew that the cable was good. Uh, and just kind of a little side note here. How do you know when your cable is not that great? A little test that you can do, which is uh, can be helpful. Take one of your cables, plug it in, uh, run a source through your, your microphone cable or your instrument cable, whatever you're doing. And if you've got a cheaper cable, many times uh, what will happen is if you grab that cable and you just move it or run your hand along that cable while you're uh, recording or while you're running a source through it, a cheaper cable, a lot of times you will just simply hear noise. You'll hear a static. You'll hear some type of noise going through that cable because cheaper cables are not typically um, as shielded as well. And so you definitely want to make sure you are using the best cable that money can buy. Avoid packages that have, say, hey, 10 cables for $99. You may have fallen for that just like I did about two years ago, and I found myself uh, just trying to repair cables left and right. They didn't last very long, and they just were cheaply made. And cheap cables um, really have a tendency to pick up lots of noises that a good quality cable will not. And so in my instance, I still, however, had a bug coming through the microphone channel. I I was using a balanced input. I had a good cable that was in good repair, but yet I still had a buzz that, uh, again, when I would touch my microphone, that buzz would quit. And uh, when I would let my hand off my microphone, it would come right back. Of course, nobody wants to record holding on to your mic and, uh, you know, trying to not be moving at all in order to you to get the wrong position, the buzz comes back. And so I had to figure out what to do to fix this. And that brings me to the third thing that I would also encourage you to do as well. This is something that has helped me a lot over the years. And that is this, when you're hooking up your gear, do everything you can to do a couple things with the power, to configure your power properly. And here's what I mean by that. Number one, do everything you can to make sure that all your gear is grounded properly. And grounding on the power means if it's a three-prong plug, make sure you've got a three-prong outlet that you're plugging that into. And uh, make sure that 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 third prong is a grounding prong, that that is literally going into an outlet that is going to a ground. Uh, You know, a lot of times I've seen guys immediately when there's a buzz or a hum, a lot of times in a live system, uh, also in a recording environment, they'll reach for a two-prong adapter. Maybe you've done this. I've done this as well in the past. And uh, you you immediately reach for a two-prong adapter and you unplug your power amp or you unplug your board or your, your powered speakers and you put that adapter on that plug, thereby eliminating the ground. And many times, you know what? The hum might go away. 
But here's why I would highly discourage that from being the first knee-jerk response, because if you have got a hum coming through your microphone channel and you lift that ground and that ground eliminates it, that hum is actually a sign that something else is going on. Something is not properly grounded, and that ground is not uh, there in such a way that it is causing that signal to go where it should not be. And so you may actually find yourself getting involuntary shock treatment in those situations where you've actually lifted the ground, you've eliminated the ground, even though that buzz may have stopped, you may have inadvertently created another problem. You know, throughout the years, uh, I remember probably about a year and a half ago, it was actually on a stage recording setup that, uh, that I was getting ready to record, and I had voltage that was just shocking the daylights out of me coming through my microphone. And uh, I had thought things were grounded properly. And what was amazing to me is I put a voltmeter, I touched one end of my voltmeter to the tip of the microphone, and the other end to the boom stand it was on, and I got more than 12 volts of juice coming through that mic. And let me tell you, when that hits your lips, that is not a good time. So you definitely don't want to do that. So here's my suggestion. The first thing in regards to power is anything that is specifically outputting power, such as powered speakers or a board that has a power amp in it or an individual power amp or even a soundboard that utilizes phantom power for, say, a condenser mic. Always, always, as a rule of thumb, make sure that those items in particular are grounded properly. Never lift the ground for safety's sake on something that is producing or outputting power. And if at all possible, you really need to have a proper ground on everything that, that is designed uh, with, say, a three-prong, that third-prong ground there. You need to make sure to have that ground anyway, but pay close attention to the things that are outputting power. You're going to save yourself a lot of headache. And so the other side of power is that I would encourage you to do this. If at all possible, find a power source that is isolated by itself. In other words, find a wall outlet that does not have, say, your kitchen appliances hooked into the same circuit. Or, um, you know, it's in maybe a room where you've got a dimmer switch or fluorescent lighting that's hooked to the same circuitry. If you can get all your gear running in an outlet that is on a breaker by itself many times, you will eliminate a lot of issues just by using that what I call isolated power. So I, I could not encourage you to do that uh, enough. Now, in my situation, I did all three of those things, and I still had a hum. And you might be thinking, but why in the world did you give us these three you know, suggestions if they don't work? Well, let me tell you what my situation was. I, uh, I thought that my gear was completely grounded, and I just decided out of curiosity to go ahead and pull the outlet out of the wall that everything was plugged into, three-prong outlet, everything was grounded, and when I pulled the outlet out, what I discovered was inside the outlet, the third prong of that plug did not have a grounding wire attached to it. There was no ground on that wall outlet, and so even though it appeared to be grounded, it was not properly grounded. And uh, right away, I actually have a long 12-gauge extension cable that is made just for going long distances uh, for high power situations such as amplifiers. And so I took that cable and I was able to run my power into another room and immediately my buzz stopped. Immediately, I didn't have any issues with touching the microphone whatsoever. And I tell you what, uh, the sound was much, much cleaner and uh, much, much more appropriate to record with. So quick recap. 
in order to hopefully eliminate more than 80% of those buzzes and those hums that we all get from time to time, make sure that if you have an opportunity in your board, that if your gear has balance connections, use the balance connections with balance cables. Uh, most popular two, one being XLR, and the second one is a quarter inch. It's called tip ring sleeve balance. It's a quarter inch adapter or a quarter inch end, but it's actually a low Z or a balance cable. So use balance cables with with your balanced ins and outs on your gear, and uh, you'll find yourself having a much cleaner sound, a lot less headache with potential noises. Number two, make sure you're using the best cables that you can afford. Really around that $25 range, you can get a pretty good uh, cable that is, you know, a 20-footer or so, and, and it's going to last you a long time, and it's also going to get a good, clean signal. There's a lot of different brand names out there, and so make sure you're using a good cable and that that cable is in good repair. And you may need to learn how to use a soldering iron. Every now and again, you might have a connection break, and uh, rather than throwing that thing away, just learn how to make that uh, connection, re-solder it, and, and you can repair that. So make sure your cables are in good repair. Number three, if at all possible, look at your power and make sure that everything that is producing or outputting power, speakers that are powered, soundboards that are powered, amplifiers, soundboards that are using phantom power for condenser microphones, make sure all those types of items are properly grounded. And the second side of that coin in regards to power is if at all possible, make sure that you have got an isolated power source where nothing else is on the same circuit but your gear. You can save yourself a lot of headache. And uh, guys, I hope this has been helpful for you with those three tips. I know they have been for me over the years. And uh, before I let you go, uh, maybe you have found this helpful. I want to invite you to go ahead and head on over to homemusicstudio1.com. And I'd love to have you sign up on my newsletter. If this tip has been helpful, you can get tips, more tips at the website. We've got lots of information on on there. And, uh, you know, there's several things that I try to release every week. This uh, this podcast is kind of new. We'll probably do this once or twice a month to start with and just see how it goes. But you know what? If you found this helpful and you'd like to get more tips like this, head on over to homemusicstudio1.com and go to backslash free gift. homemusicstudio1.com slash free gift. If you sign up there if with uh, following that link on my newsletter and, and just to, to for my uh, you know, just my effort to tell you thank you. Um, I've got a free ebook that I'd love to get into your hands that I think will be helpful to you. One of the questions I get asked a lot throughout uh, throughout the years is, is what about audio compression? How do I use compression in the studio? Um, how do I use compression on my recordings? And you know what? I wrote a book that's just a short ebook that explains, and, and it's entitled Understanding Compression in the Home Studio. And so just for signing up for my free newsletter, won't cost you a thing, but it'll just keep you updated with more tips like this, then uh, you'll go ahead and get that free link in your email to download that absolutely free ebook, Understanding Compression in the Home Studio. I love to get that into your hands. And then the thing, the, the last thing I'd like to encourage you to do in order for me to continue to provide you with helpful, valuable content, I would love to hear from you. You know, it really helps me to know what kinds of things you're you're trying to work out in your own recording environment or maybe what struggles you have had in the past or even what is working well for you so we could learn from each other. I, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I do not know everything. I want to share with you what I do know, but I really believe that we can learn from each other. And so you can also head on to uh, homemusicstudio1.com and you can... 
uh, leave me a message in the contact form. Maybe you've got some feedback or a question that I could address in a future post or podcast. Uh, or maybe the, you just can follow and scroll through all the information that is on the site and the posts that are there. I'd love to hear uh, kind of your experience and just your comments based upon what uh, I have left there, the information for you again, so that, you know, I'm not here to waste either of our times. I want to add as much value uh, to you and that we can to each other as much as possible. So with that, guys, thank you once again for joining me. Uh, and until next time, this is Dave Maxey with the Home Music Studio One.com podcast.